Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Back again, L.A. Aiko here, Trade Talk from Hedge Fund Insider. It's great to be back again. Been about a week since the last episode. I wanted to do this episode actually earlier than this. I wanted to just drop them back to back, but I didn't because I still needed to do a little more research, and I'm happy that I've gotten the time to do that research, and now um, I can present to you uh, what I think will be the biggest trade of 2023 uh, into 2024. Now, to some, that may sound um, lofty and very early. However, that's how some of these big plays turn out, you know, as I was uh, able to forecast with Bitcoin. And I think I'll be able to forecast it with this one. I will not say that this is uh, my idea alone because I didn't jump out there as early with this one, like with Bitcoin. If I was early, I'd been five months ago. However, um, I do know enough about this asset class that um, I can comfortably start building this position on the short side, making the financial products, uh, and as well as going into the names that I feel will, you know, be the most exposed uh, to this uh, to this issue, excuse me. So, as you already know, as you can see when you clicked on the episode, the title of this episode is Subprime Auto Loans. Uh, some people maybe have heard about it, but I think for the most part, you haven't really been seeing a lot of conversation about it. I know I haven't seen it on social media, nor have I seen it really on the news. Articles here and there, but I think we're still early. Most people care about uh, what what interest rates are going up to and what's going on with mortgages. This is relative because throughout, I would say, 2014, we've had a lot of um, subprime auto lending. Coming out of the pandemic, you know, you had these issues where people had to, you know, lose their second car or their third car. G, uh, GMAC uh, had an issue as well as a slew of other lenders. However, coming back around, there's always an important thing that a lender needs and a bank needs. Uh, and that is cash flow, yield. And one of the easiest places to get it is with uh, the auto loan market because it is a discretionary item. Uh, sorry, it's a non-discretionary item, excuse me. And since it's a non-discretionary item, um, you ha- you know, you're stuck in a situation where whatever you have committed to at least to one of the cars that you have, you're going to have to pay it. As we get into the episode, I'll get more into the issue and the topics of monthly payments and prices. But the hypothesis says, and this is what I'm presenting, that the subprime auto market will be one of the biggest leaders in um, the unwinding of the economy. And I think it will really stand out like a sore thumb when... Uh, rates really hit a critical point of about, I would say, five and a half to six. I think we realistically get to a five and a half to six. Um, if if you're thinking that's lofty, listen to my prior episode as to why I say that. Uh, I think it's risky to get to an eight, but definitely a five, five and a half to a six is very realistic, and I don't see why uh, it won't be done. Powell will still be in office long enough to monitor it and get it done as well as Janet Yellen, and I believe uh, they will do it. So, you know, hypothesis says that we short the subprime auto market. And you can also just um, you can also start looking at 
<clears throat> excuse me, at the prime lenders, uh, sorry, prime borrowers, uh, because some of them are choosing to uh, downsize and just get rid of that second or third car that they have. And which is, you know, when, when I'm speaking about the second or third car, I'm speaking about an auto loan. So you short them. Now, the first thing you would say is, well, how am I going to short them? Well, there's a slew of different, well, there's, I think there's one product that you can use, but there's a slew of uh, different companies that uh, you can also use. So one that I'm going to use in this particular method is, um, the auto loan asset-backed securities, uh, which is also known as ABS, just asset-backed securities, but specifically for auto loans. So auto loan asset-backed securities. Um, in essence, whenever you make these loans uh, for 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 an auto loan, whether it be prime, subprime, you know, it's all broken down into the creditworthiness and, and what tranche it is within the loans that are packaged, it gets sold from bank to bank to bank. The majority of these issues that I'm seeing in subprime autos are coming from regional banks that uh, regional banks and credit unions that have then let the paper season for about six months of six months of payments turned around and sold that paper to um, another bank that needs cash flows or has excess cash. If we have to remember that when everyone was excited about corporate earnings and profits back in 2021, you have to remember that they had to do something with that cash and you generally have to find a place to put it. Yes, you could put it in treasuries, uh, which is uh, anything that's below two years. You could put it in municipal bonds, all these things I've talked about. And another place that some people who need a bigger yield can put it is into is asset-backed securities. On the long end, you could have bought mortgage-backed securities on, on a bit of a shorter end because most auto loans are uh, about five to seven-year paper. I think now they're running even to, no, five to seven years, yeah. Five to seven-year paper, they might be running a little longer, but I think that's mostly for very high-end exotics. But nonetheless, they all fall into this. However, what I am saying is that, um, you know, these are these are shorter durations and you're maybe, maybe that institution is looking for a yield at a shorter duration, asset-backed auto loans might be an area for them. So that's, you know, that's where, that's what's going on with the paper as the loans are being originated and then being sold off. And I'm saying that as they're being sold off, whichever institution is holding them, almost like a musical chair sort of situation. I referenced that to say there was an episode about the musical chairs and how it plays out similar to, um, how crypto would play out similar to uh, the dot-com bubble. Well, you're probably going to have auto loans playing out in a similar fashion, not to the dot-com bubble, but more so to the um, musical cheers scenario. And depending on where, you know, who has the the assets at a particular time, if they blow up on your hands, if they're performing, they're non-performing, etc. But at this time, everyone is shuffling, hustling, and trying to figure it all out. And now let's get into the meat and potatoes of how we get here, why I give this analysis and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. Uh, primarily, let's talk about what is a subprime auto loan. So a non-prime, before we even get to subprime, a non-prime is a 601 credit score to a 660. So prime would be above your 660. Um, then you would get to a subprime, which is 501 to 600. Now, most people would say, well, who the heck is going to give these guys a loan? Well, one of the biggest places where you get those kind of loans are places where they do floor planning. Um, I know a lot of dealerships do floor plan. Anyone who works in the car industry is going to tell me that. I get that. But it's particularly important floor planning in buy here, pay here places. 
And that's one of the biggest places where they do subprime auto loans. But not only them, there's there's just a whole scenario and structure within the auto industry that is more so geared towards the dealer, Um, the lender, more than protecting the integrity of the product. Sorry, more than in um, protecting the integrity of the client and themselves, they more so are in cahoots with the dealer. Hence why people will feel like, oh, I'm getting taken advantage of. A dealership generally wants to put you into more debt. Now, I'm not saying that to say, oh, you know, car dealers are bad, this, that, and the third. It's the concept of how it works. The dealer's working with, uh, the bank is working with the dealer to offer you loans. Some manufacturers like a Ford have in-house financing, but you can also come with outside financing. If you've noticed some places, they work really well with a Capital One, Navy Federal Credit Union. It's very specific as to why there's certain incentives and there's certain things that are being done, hence why you would see that. So as we even look at it and say, you know, why is it like, why is this structure in this particular way? It, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it is being presented to the buyer that, hey, I can get you this um over leveraged LTV for this overpriced vehicle and I'll get you into it though your credit score isn't the best for you know a reasonable amount or for a little bit down now that might sound confusing but I'm going to show, show you excuse me how this has worked in comparison from 2014 all the way up to 2022 and 14 and anything prior to 14 you would see a lot of LTVs loan to value were about uh, 80%. So things weren't overly leveraged and people were having some down payment, but, you know, nonetheless being able to get away. Paying about a $500 uh, payment, which is high for most people because most people really would like about 300 and something dollars. If you look on most ads for, I would say, economy cars to lower mid-sized luxury cars, this means like Mercedes C-Class, BMW 3 three series you're you're trying to get people in at about 350 375 less than 400 dollars however in subprime back in those times it was uh over 500 and subprime currently is over 600 but that's just one part now as we even move further into it and you're saying to yourself or at least i'm saying to myself all right well, well what why like you know what is it that would then entice a person to not only maybe take that loan that's disadvantageous, but also to say, why would the bank give that loan that's disadvantageous? The bank is giving it because they can immediately package it into an asset-backed security, like I was saying before. Hence why we would want to short an asset-backed security based off of auto loans. Boom, right there, right? The other aspect of it is that um, manufacturers want to sell more cars, Unfortunately, all this stuff sounds very predatory and does lean to the side of predatory, but in its very nature, capitalism has a lot of predatory aspects to it uh, because people are trying to boost and create revenues. Idealistically, you would want everything to be in a balanced form where people are saying, is this person creditworthy enough, et cetera, et cetera. However, there's a, <laughs> what, what do they say from one of my favorite shows, The Wire? Uh, <laughs> the the piss uh, flows downhill, meaning everyone has a lender or an obligation that they have to meet, hence producing more revenue um, and trying ways to produce it. In this particular way, in auto loans, um, if 
you have in a, in the modern time in 2022, and I'm sorry that I'm switching back and forth, but this is the best way to compare it. Why could you get so much subprime auto debt? Because people weren't working, had moratoriums on mortgages as well as rent, and they were receiving stimulus. We go back to that subject matter again, but we talked about this. These things would come home to roost at a later time, right? We've talked about this all of 2020, most of 2021. Now it's coming back to roost, right? But it won't really show its head until 23 when we're really seeing a true systematic recession situation. But what is being said here is simply that you have a situation where a person can put more down payment down for a car. So they're going to they're going to give it to them. Uh, cars have increased in their actual appreciation, which is the wildest thing, right? A car appreciating in value when everyone tells you that it depreciates in value. Hence all that G-Wagon talk and luxury car talk from Lamborghini to whatever else. Okay, so if you have that situation, that means you can offer more leverage, more loan to value um, in whatever loan you're making in current times, there's loan to values of 130 to 140% comparable to 80%, right? So the person was putting down roughly about 20% before. In this particular case, they're overextending because the cars are so overvalued. People are showing that, hey, I'm making $8,000 a month because I have unemployment plus um, I got my either PPP or SBA loans, whichever thing that's showing in my bank account that I've, that I've gotten money to. And boom, I can qualify for a thousand dollar payment. One of the craziest things that most most of the repo companies are seeing right now is there's a lot of nine hundred to thousand dollar payments. And that's a lot of what people are walking away from. But the most egregious other part of this is um, of, of the, you know, auto loans and subprime is that it's not just these exotic and exotic vehicles and G-wagons and things like that. There's a lot of mid-sized luxury cars that are like this and costing this much because if you were paying attention, especially if you were sold your car to Carvana, you they were paying you more for your car from Carvana, for a Nissan uh, a Nissan Altima or a Honda Civic that was old. They were paying you a premium because there weren't enough cars to go around. That has changed. Their inventories are now starting to build back up again. I don't know why people would try, especially dealers try to do this and say, we don't have any inventory. We don't have this, that, and the third. However, all through uh, the end of 2021, that people were saying, oh, the supply chain is picking back up. I, I don't think we can, you know, we can have both things where there's not inventory, but supply chain is picking back up. These things are picking back up not only because people are walking away from those $1,000 payments with now uh, your uh, discretionary spending being squeezed, but you now have a situation where you have to really think about, am I going to pay all of this extra money for my rent plus have to pay this mandatory obligation for my car, etc. These are things that we were talking about from consumers rejecting higher prices. So if I have to hold on to this to, uh, to this uh, mandatory obligation or I don't want my credit to get dinged because I'm giving back this car or I couldn't sell this car at a profit trying to give it back to the dealer, uh, I'm going to be very cautious on what I spend money on. If I have to keep this car, if I cannot get out of this car, I'm not spending extra money on all these things. Now, mind you, I say that when in all transparency, I've said multiple times that people still have money out here and they do. That's why I'm saying this is probably to play out in another year. Again, similar to like the Bitcoin situation where it took some time. But nonetheless, 
that's where I'm clear on and that's how I'm thinking about it is that it should pay it should play out exactly like that and become this uh systematic issue at a you know at a later date down the line one of the biggest things that you should also note is that the fed notes that there's three yes excuse me three particular issues this is the consumer financial protection bureau three particular issues that they're concerned about in subprime auto lending uh one is that uh, total consumer debt for auto is at a 1.3, 1.4, and they expect it to be a 1.8 trillion. So 1.3 to 1.4 trillion to 1.8 trillion uh, by the end of 2022. And that frightens them because it's ever growing while wages are not growing. What did we talk about? Wages have to meet prices. Uh, we talked about the LTV. That's another concern of theirs. I kind of mixed that in too early, but you know, I'm already on a roll and I know exactly what I'm looking at. So I'm trying to feed it to you guys the best way that I can. Um, and then, you know, you have a situation of a higher repo rate of, again amongst prime borrowers, meaning that people who would have that higher credit score that I was talking about, that uh, when, when I say 601 to 660, there's a not sizable amount of those people that are returning their cars. One of the places where you can look and know and understand how I get this analysis is to look at the Mannheim Auto Auction, which is the biggest auto auction. And you can see what lenders are the ones offering their cars for auction. Now, you should note, though, they're not offering them all up that they have available. They're trying to pace the market because they don't want to flood the market and immediately start pushing down prices. It's a smart it's a smart tactic, though. Some people feel like that is direct manipulation. However, it is at the discretion of uh, the bank that got the automobile back when they choose to put it up for auction. So they spread it out, put it up for auction at slow paces. And one of the main reasons they do that is because manufacturers from Hyundai to Ford all are reporting a slowing down in sales. So if they're reporting slowing down in sales, which means also going to report a slowing down, I'm sorry, an acceleration in their repos, they're going to be very cautious about offering extra cars into the, um, the auction market that turn into either used cars or, or bought by dealers to go and sell on smaller lots like buy here, pay here, et cetera, of that nature. So it should be really, you know, it should be paid attention to that this is an issue uh, that is playing out in that particular order. Um, you should also know that they've downgraded consumer auto loans as a whole uh, down to single A when they used to be triple A. A person cares about the asset-backed securities of consumer auto loans in particular because what you're looking for is cash flows, right? Um, whether it be in a pension fund, whether it be in any other place, you want the credit rating and then the cash flow. And that is one thing that is being offered by uh, auto loans and being within that business. The bigger players in auto loans currently are uh, Wells Fargo at second, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Capital One. But the real question that people want to know, I know you all want to know, is what is the item that I'm shorting or what I'm looking at? And in particular, yes, I do care about uh, J.P. Morgan Chase because they have a lot of, um, well, not J.P. Morgan Chase, but Chase has a lot of items coming through Mannheim for auction that were repoed. As you can see, they they somewhat reported it in uh, their uh, their most recent um, uh, corporate earnings, and you can you just see that it is a prominent thing that is going to continue to happen. I don't know how well I am on Wells Fargo as 
eh, it's okay for me, but I don't think it's the it's the primary one that I'd be looking at right now as another case of shorting. What I particularly like a lot is um, Credit Acceptance Corp, Santander, Ally Financial, and Capital One. I think I, I might have said Capital. No, I said J.P. Morgan, but Capital One. And excuse me, I want you to X out Santander. Santander has privatized uh, their auto lender um, arm as of 2021. I think they were aware that it was coming up. They immediately got that out of the market, paid a premium to their uh, shareholders so they could get it out of there because I'm sure they knew they were going to take a beating on it. But, you know, nonetheless, they're probably doing asset backs on the back end, but nothing that you could short on the front end. So again, I'm going to repeat it. Uh, JP Morgan Chase, Capital One, uh, Ally Financial, uh, Credit Acceptance Corp. And I'm so sorry, I forgot another one. The, the, now these groups, I, I got, I have to preface it before I say it because it's, it's important that a person has to understand uh, it's not only going to be the borrowers that are going to have this issue as this is all coming about, but it's going to be the dealers that are financing a lot of this stuff. Um, and when I say the dealers that are financing that, they have to go to particular types of lenders. Not everyone just simply goes to uh, J.P. Morgan Chase or, you know, name any sort of company like that to go and get their financing to uh, issue for, um, you know, lending and, and, and sorry, lending to lend to get their issue to borrow from creditors so they can lend it to buyers. Pardon me for rambling. It's a, you know, it, it flows in a particular complicated way. But just to make sure people are following me, what I'm saying is a dealer has to go somewhere to get the money for floor planning. It's not always to Capital One. There's a lot of players. One of them that is a big one to short is um, Atlanticus Holdings. That's one. Atlanticus Holdings. Um, that is ATLC, because I know most people are not going to be familiar. And then you can continue on with a few others. Um, open Lending and uh, Oak Tree Specialty Lending. Most of these people will do some form of extended finance to some of these dealers so that they can allow, so they can uh, finance their fleets that they plan on selling to you over a certain amount of time. So I like these names. I'll obviously keep up with this and, and, and further dig into it. Um, I'm going to build the position slow and I'm also going to uh, make the asset backed security bonds for short. I'm going to look for those, buy those and short them. Um, I just overall like this. This is, this is huge. Many people have more than one car. Um, many people are going to be disrupted by this. It is, in, it is essential that a person in this country for the most part have a car in order to participate in the economy without a car or any sort of repo or issue on your credit makes it harder for you to participate in the economy. So I'm excited for this particular trade. I think it'll be such a huge situation going forward. I think it is the trade of 2023, but the latter part of 2023 when it really cashes in and rings home. At worst, it'll be early 24, but I don't want to keep extending it and, and, and sounding so vague. 
in particular, as I've said numerous times, it has to do with when you really start seeing consumers buck and push back at not being able to spend, then you should see this even accelerate even more. Um, prices of cars are obviously going to come down. All this stuff that people are acting like as an investment, especially those G-Wagons and all that nonsense, is not. It is all based off of inflation. But nonetheless, not just because you're raising rates would inflation change, but the fact that wages cannot meet these prices for the consumer-required things. Again, what is that called? That consumer non-discretionary where they don't have the ability to spend it however they want. The fact that the consumer has to pay those newer, higher prices on that consumer non-discretionary is what's going to be the final rejection point. I thank you guys for tuning in. L.A. Aiko here. I'm sorry that I ran long. We're pretty much at like 25 minutes. I try to keep it shorter than this. But this has a lot of moving parts in terms of the backstory. And really, like I said, the, the most thing that you want to pay attention to with this backstory is that what did it look like in 2014 coming out of 08 in subprime, right? When, when things picked back up and what does it look like now? 85% of people own cars. Two thirds of them um, have an auto loan. That market is very big and we're going to see it break apart and cripple. The shorts are going to be magnificent. LA Echo out. Thank you for tuning in to Trade Talk. Take care.